Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. What up, guys? It's Nick McVicker in studio, joined through the Garage Door Sports Cuff phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Irfan Manji and Kyle Vardy. Irfan, how are you doing today, my man? Good. A little tired. I've been writing a lot this week, so um, if I, if you see me like doze off like this, it's because I'm tired. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, be paying attention. I'll yell at you. Don't worry. Yeah, make the peas pop. I'll wake up. <laughs> Inside joke, guys. No good. And Kyle, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. It's it's been a while. I've uh, had a few things on the go recently. Um, I'm good. It's, uh, sports are back. Finally got to watch a little baseball yesterday, so I'm happy. Yes, and the Jays won, so you were really happy. Yeah, I, I missed out on my my thousand dollar bet by one game. So. I'm hoping it wasn't the Jays game. No, it was <laughs> the Philadelphia Phillies losing to the Miami Marlins. They so. they lost, right? Yeah, so I had I had the Phillies winning. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that would have been a nice chunk of change. So. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? That would have been great. <laughs> well, uh, that's unfortunate. But hey, you get another chance to do it again today. Very true. More games too today, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a full sked. It's full sked. Anyways, speaking of MLB, we're going to do a whole MLB preview show, boys. Well, part of a show. <laughs> and let's get right into it with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Callers, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers Daniel and Gabe are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want your special, to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com and follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. So let's get right into it. Obviously, we missed the opening day on Thursday and a lot of the team's first games yesterday, but we can still do a preview because they're all pretty much at one game. Let's start in the West because obviously we're we're big AL East fans, so we're going to have a lot to say about that. We'll start out in the West, and we'll start in the NL, and there are some good teams in the NL West, and there's no doubt about it, it is a powerhouse division. You get Mookie Betts going from Boston and joining the Dodgers. That's right, he's a Dodger to play with that stacked lineup that they have. But that division is still very good outside of the Dodgers themselves. The Diamondbacks got better, adding some good starting pitching. You get the Rockies, who having that home field advantage that is Coors Field is always a benefit to have. And they're playing half their games there, so you get a lot of home runs. You throw the other two teams in there, it's not terrible, but 
like they're not bad teams. They're just in a good division. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, let's start with you, Kyle. Especially since they were pretty much the best team last year, and then you add a MVP candidate for not to say it, but essentially nothing. Pretty uh, much. And yep. I'm just trying to imagine how good the team would be if David Price didn't opt out. I have no problem with him opting out. No, and I, I got no problem with that. I'm just saying, just how much better that team would be with with adding him to the rotation would be just um, realistically is there anybody else who can contend with them in that division I don't think so um, no San Diego's good Arizona's good Colorado's San good San Diego's young up and, up and coming and, mm-hmm. and they they have I guess promise if you want to say yeah um, of, of of what they can do um they have the Giants and stuff in theirs, right? Yeah, Arizona, Colorado, and San Fran are the other three. Yeah, so Arizona, they brought in Bumgarner and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think it really makes them a better team. They brought in Sterling Marte, too. Sure. Um, well, he was there last year. Who? Or no, sorry, Cattell Marte was there last year. I always yeah, get the Martes mixed up. I always get the Martes mixed up. So, yeah. Um, other than that, Colorado, they have a pieces, but they never actually put it together. They, just their rotation, I don't think, is going to hold them up. No. Although um, it's a it's a thirty game season, you're only getting twelve starts out of out of these pitchers. They well, might be able to get hot. It's a, it's a sixty. Game Six, sorry, but, sixty yeah. game, sixty. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, but the way like they lost one nothing to Texas last night. Texas is good, but not great. Well, that Texas lineup is good. Their pitching is what is questionable. Well, they had Lance Lynn who went six innings, though, and then they, had, yeah. they brought in a couple of bullpen pieces who I have no idea who they are. Yeah. So, no, I, I agree. Like, like, I don't know. There's more expectations than I think are they going to be met there. Fair enough. Irfan? Uh, agreed. I think the Dodgers are the best team going into the season, even better than the Yankees. Sorry. Um, adding Mookie Betts, that hurts the Red Sox. He signed the extension. Free. Um, but you're right. Like He went to the team for basically pennies. Um, the Dodgers are just going to be better. I mean, yeah, they're going to miss it. three starting pitchers, you know, Ryu, Maeda, and Price not being on that roster anymore. But regardless of what, they're still better than everyone else because everyone else has a massive question mark beside them right um the rockies to me remind me of the angels because they have really good bats but they have ported decent arms right like they're not gonna out pitch you at any point at all this season um the padres are still up and coming like the tc is gonna get better there's no doubt about that um and they have a really good bullpen uh the giants are rebuilding so they're gonna sit at the bottom and eat dust uh and have sound of all just sit on everybody basically and 
And <laughs> I mean, the D-backs bring in a very good pitcher, Mad Bum, but at the end of his career or close to the end of his career. So I think the I think the D-backs might be the second best team in the division, um, just slightly over the Padres. But the Dodgers are the cream of the crop. I think they're still the best team in the entire MLB going into this season. That's my take on the West. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher on the Padres and the Rockies than you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like the Rockies. They're one of my favorite teams. Why? Probably because they're purple. But, like, they've been my team since I was, like, my NL team since I was, like, five. Just straight up, no clue why. But the thing is, it had nothing to do with that, and I know that. I honestly think it's because of the purple jerseys and the Rocky Mountain background that they have in their outfield. Um, I was five. Let's remember that, boys. That's how you pick your team when you stick with Um, But they have some very good pieces, especially that left side of the infield in Colorado is disgusting. You're not getting much better than that across the league with sure. Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. Their pitching is just what's going to either make or break their season. If they can get any decent starting pitching this year, mm-hmm. they they become all of a sudden really, really good. Um, let's switch over to the AL West, the teams that are going to be playing the NL West. And this division is going to be very, very interesting in my opinion because realistically there's one team – well at the bottom in the Mariners. You have Texas, who's a step up, maybe more than one step up. And then you have the Angels, who have been one piece away from being one piece away for so long, and they finally added Rendon, who might be the piece that they need. They could go on a run. They get Shohei back as well. That's that's a huge thing. You have the A's, who have one of the best teams in the league which is also probably one of the most underrated teams in the league mm-hmm. every year. Say, I think they're the most underrated. But they're one of the best, too. Like, you can't deny that. Like, if you go position by position, they have good to great pieces at pretty much every position. It's unbelievable. And they're never talked about. No. And then there's Houston, who, despite everything that we've talked about them in the in the offseason, are a very, very good ball club. They lost some pitching. Obviously, Garrett Cole leaving is a huge blow. But they're still a very, very good ball club. And they showed it in Game 1, beating the Mariners 8-2. Yep. I could see three teams coming out of this division for the playoffs. Irfan, what do you think? Agreed. I mean, <laughs> the Mar- it's, it's not hard to disagree because... The stats are there, the players are there, but the Mariners are, I think, one of three AL teams that might be rebuilding, and they'll stick at the bottom, they'll figure out one of four. Okay, all right, well, well, they're, they're at the bottom regardless of oh, 100%. what happens. Um, 100%. But, like, they have a very good young up-and-coming squad. It'll take them a couple of years, um, yeah. and it'll be fun to watch them. But going back to the A's, I actually have them winning the division because I think they're, they're bloody pesky. They're fun to watch. They're exciting to watch. I don't know why they don't get enough fans out west. Um, they hit a walk-off home run last night, which is even better. Um, you know, I, I I always look forward every year when the Jays go over to, the, to Oakland or 
um, the Red Sox go over to Oakland because I like watching that late game, and they're always fun to watch. Like, oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Um, moving on to the Astros, this team will be fine. Like, they have enough depth. They have enough talent. They're still very, very good ball club. I'm just worried about when's the next, like, how long is it going to be until someone actually gets plucked in the head for these guys, right? And that's, that's concerning. Yeah, it is concerning. And, and, and I don't think that that's how they should get hit. Just throw a breaking ball, hit them in the butt, hit them in the leg or something. Like, don't aim for the head. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world, but some idiot's going to throw a 98-mile-per-hour fastball right across their head at one point. Absolutely. Because, right? Um, the, I, I said this about the Rockies, but the Angels, I know we say that they're one piece away every single year. Um, they're still missing an arm. They're still missing a bona fide ace, in my opinion. Um, it, that's the thing. It depends on Shohei, right? If Shohei comes in and, de- and is the way he was, mm-hmm. then he's that bona fide ace that they've been looking for. The problem is, is that we don't know yet whether or no. not that's the case. No, because he's coming off that injury. Exactly. Um, yeah. But their hitting's going to be great. Like, having Trout on your roster, having Rendon. Um, and Shohei. That, and Shohei. Like that, <laughs> that, no, no, yeah, exactly. I know you mentioned it, so I didn't want to say it again. But yeah. Those three guys, they're going to lead this team, but they're still, again, one piece away from being a contending team, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then quickly on the, the Rangers there, uh, they missed out on a third base, but, you know, Razor, in my opinion, is underappreciated. He's still a good bat. He's still awesome pop. Um, but my question is, how long can Joey Gallo carry this team? Yeah. You know, right? I agree. That's just what it comes down to. I mean, the rotation is better than it was last year. Um, but again, how, how much can that one guy carry that team? Because you don't know what you're going to get out of everyone else. You also don't know what you're going to get out of Gallo. That's the other problem. He's, he's a streaky hitter, so you really don't know. Um, Kyle, your thoughts? Seattle dead last. Um, oh, good. We all agree. <laughs> I, think, I think Houston and Oakland are going to com- compete for the first spot. Yeah. Um, I like Oakland's team. I like their pitching. I like with Manea back. I think that's that's a, a huge, huge ups- upside for them. Oh, 100%. Um, if AJ Puck can get healthy, that's another young arm that has potential to be great. Oh, yeah. Um, which could just add to that team. Matt Chapman's basically an MVP candidate with his defense and potential bat. Um, Matt Olson's great. Houston, I hate, but I, I can't deny that how good they are. I didn't say you had to um, like the team. Yeah. So I, I can't deny how good they are. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, those two. And I think I think third place is Texas, in my opinion. I okay. think they have the arms to do it third i don't trust la whatsoever no matter if they have the best player in the world i don't trust them um simple as that um and then yeah that's that's pretty much my thoughts i I just as much as i like trout and i like rendon i like the addition they made i just i don't even know who their starters are to be honest like if if i'm being completely honest i don't know who the hell their starters are that's fair, yeah. I mean, like, you look at that team and they're they're good. And you look at the A's too, right? Another underrated player, because like, that's all we're going to talk about when it comes to the A's, Ramon Laureano. That guy is a stud center fielder. And he's getting better at the plate every year he's been in the league. He could be an MVP candidate this year or next year. Like, like an under, like a surprise, under-the-radar candidate. 
Um, but it's funny, like we were talking about Irfan. You mentioned the young squad in Seattle. They're the second youngest average uh, age in the entire league. The only team younger than them is the San Diego Padres. So that says a lot about the two teams and how they did their rebuild because the Padres were saying is a possible playoff contender, maybe, and Seattle's dead last in their division. Um, I agree with you guys 100%. It's Oakland and Houston at the top. Texas and LA are the next tier, and then Seattle. Like It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Let's move on to the Central, and we'll start again in the NL. You got the Cubs, the Reds, the Cardinals, the Brewers, and Pittsburgh, the almost home of the Blue Jays. They were almost the Toronto PBJs. That that tweet did not age well. Um, I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to go... Um, I think Pittsburgh is bottom of this division. As much as I like the Pirates, and I think their ballpark is gorgeous, the team is just not good enough right now to compete in this division. Um, I like the Brewers, despite them losing the first game to the Cubs. Uh, they they have a lot of good arms. They have some really good pieces as well, and I think they, they're going to compete at the top with the Cubs. I also think Cincinnati is going to surprise a lot of teams and compete for that top spot in this division. And I could see any of those three winning the division. And because it's St. Louis, they're going to get a wild card spot. So one of the other three teams is not. <laughs> Just because it's St. Louis. And they'll somehow find their way into the wild card spot as the third seed. But this division is truly up in the air for me. I have no idea what to, who to pick as the number one team. I want, like, you'd think it would be the Cubs because of that lineup. But since their World Series, they have not played like that lineup should play. So you don't know what to expect. Milwaukee obviously did really well last year. And Cincinnati is the most improved team out of the three. I still have no clue. Kyle? I have Cincinnati winning it. Yeah, okay. Um, To be honest, I think with the addition of Trevor Bauer, with Moustakis, with um, Castellanos, I think it just makes their team over the top comparatively. Um, Fair enough. St. Louis, I think, has great pieces in place, but I think a lot of them are older pieces, so I don't know if they necessarily are going to put them over the top. Um, That's I, why I, I said like, wildcard, because it's St. Louis. I, I, I agree. I think St. Louis will be a wildcard. Honestly, I think it's going to be Cincinnati, Milwaukee, St. Louis to come out of it. Um, I don't see the Cubs coming out of it. I don't trust Darvish as their starter. Um, I love Kyle Hendricks, but is he enough to carry them? No. No. You need more than one pitcher. I don't trust Worth as much as I can throw him. Um, And I honestly just don't trust that lineup whatsoever. So um, Pittsburgh's at the dead bottom for me. Uh, I think Chicago's right above them. And then I think it goes St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Fair enough. Irfan? I also have the Reds winning the division. I really do like <clears throat> the pitching they brought in, the hitting they brought in. Um, you know, you could have said two years ago that they're going to start rebuild, but for some reason it's accelerated and they're a much better ball club. Um, like Kyle said, uh, the Cubs, I 
don't know what's going to happen with them. They have the batting lineup that they pretty much had when they won the World Series, but, you know, do you really trust their pitching without some names there? And is Darvish good enough to lead this team? Um, I mean, the bullpen isn't poor, but it could be better for them. So I don't know. And they also have a new manager going into the season, so I don't know if they're headed up the right way, unfortunately. Uh, the Brew Crew... I really like their bullpen. I think they have one of the better bullpens in the entire league. Um, second to maybe one or two teams, or second or third to a few teams. But um, And you know what? With the shortened season, they don't have to have their starting pitcher go in so deep anymore. Right. Right? And I mean, you can probably get three or four innings out of them, and then this great bullpen will, will take over, and they'll be rested for the postseason. So I still think they'll finish second behind the Reds. And the Cards, they didn't really do anything to replace Osuna in my opinion, so I think a, a solid third-place finish could be in the cards, and Pirates are last because Chris Archer, unfortunately, isn't healthy, so they don't really have a, a pitcher or anything good coming yeah. out of there. Except yeah, that's Harrison. the reason that they're going to finish last. They have one I pitcher know, down. I just positive, because I really think that, you know, give them an extra three or four wins, and the Cubs are going to be like, shoot, we might be dead last at one point, but... Yeah, I'm- I'm positive they're going to be dead last. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in my mind that they're dead last. Like, Obviously, the loss of Archer is huge, but outside of Archer, their starting rotation was going to be Joe Musgrove, who's a good pitcher. I'll, I'll give Joe his credit. Trevor Williams, Mitch Keller, Derek Holland, Steve Bro, or Chad Cool. That's a lot of what? And then Derek Holland, who is well, Mitch, Mitch Keller was is, is good. He's an up and coming guy. But he's young. That's the thing, right? Like yeah. he's unproven, really. Yeah. And then they have they have a deep bullpen. They went with very few position players. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven bullpen arms to go with six starters. So they went 17 and 13. But, like, they have some really good pieces in Pittsburgh. They're just not enough of them. Like, Josh Bell is a stud yeah, at first Cole base. Tucker will be good too. Cole Tucker is going to be good. Charlie Moran is an underrated third baseman. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's a stud yet, but he's underrated. Yep. And as you said, Cole Tucker is going to be... He's going to be good, but the problem is is that outside of that, you have Gerard Dyson, Brian Reynolds, and Guillermo Heredia as outfielders. Oh, Brian, Brian Reynolds had a, had a great year last year. He did. Chance, chance that he again. So but he had he a great year last year, right? It's one well, year. He's 25. Okay. He's our Close. age. <laughs> um, and shortstop Kevin Newman could potentially have another decent year. Adam Frazier's Adam Frazier. Kind of know what you're getting from him at this point. And then their catching is either Jacob Stallings or John Ryan Murphy. Yeah, they, they just they never replaced Sir Valley when he left. Yeah. So like they're they're not the worst team in the league. I I have a very distinct team that I have in that category, but they're not the best. Um, let's move on to the AL Central, and it's another tight division at the top. And it could be a tight division for last. Because 
Detroit and Kansas City are brutal. Mm-hmm. They're they're two of the four rebuilding teams that are falling in the AL. Mm-hmm. And then Cleveland, Minnesota, and the up and coming White Sox are going to be very fun to watch this year for that battle for first, second, and possibly a wild card spot. Um, Irfan, I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, no, I missed the Royals as a rebuilding team because I saw their lineup and I was like, eh, I don't think they're that bad. That's the thing. They're not rebuilding, though. That's the problem. They're a team that yeah. needs to rebuild, exactly. but they're so not like, rebuilding. The fact that they're not rebuilding outright, then I didn't really put them in my bottom. Fair yet, enough. But Fair enough. I do think they're... Their speed is still there. For oh, some 100%. Reason, that's, a, that's a Royals trademark is having some fantastic speed at every part of the uh, the diamond there, or the field there. and uh, They'll be in the bottom, but I think the Tigers are the worst team in this division by far, in my opinion. Um, don't really know what you're going to get out of them, for sure. Uh, no, that's the thing. You know what you're going to get out of them. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not gonna. Uh, sorry, I meant like you don't know what you're gonna get out of any of their players, so yeah. you're probably just assuming they're gonna be at the bottom there. Yeah. Um, Cleveland to me is a bubble team. Um, anywhere between third and fourth to even second, I don't think they'll win this division. They have some decent pieces, but aside from Francisco Lindor, I don't really know what Cleveland's made of right now, especially with you know losing a lot of their big names and big arms over the last two years. Yep. Uh. The Twins and the White Sox, I think, will be an interesting battle um, going into this division. Uh, there's a bit of everything, and I like what the Twins did this offseason with adding Josh Donaldson and having Nelson Cruz still there. So it's like you can't pitch around Nelson Cruz anymore because Josh Donaldson's going to be that follow-up pitcher. Uh, good starting pitching. I'm a little worried about their bullpen, especially if they're a contending team. But, hey, they might out-hit you and get more home runs than you. So I guess I guess it works out. Um, the White Sox are younger. Uh, I like their right-left split in their starting pitching, and they're very good, in my opinion. And the pieces they brought in has been very good as well. So um, that little battle between the Twins and the White Sox is a toss-up. I think they're very good teams. Kyle? Um, I think it's Minnesota's division to lose. Um, I just like their overall composition. I like their starting pitching. I like them adding... Maeda for basically nothing in that um, in that Betts trade we go back to. Yep. Um, I guess it was technically a separate trade, but um, all connected. Uh, I like the Minnesota to win it. Um, I do think Cleveland comes in second. As much as I'd like uh, Chicago to come in second, I just think Cleveland's um, composition, especially with the uh, Clevenger and at the top of that rotation is just too overpowering, I think, compared to what the White Sox offer. Um, Giglio is good. I don't think he's great yet. I think he has a chance to be, but we'll see. Um, But I do think Chicago comes in third. Uh, Kansas City comes in fourth, I think, because they got a couple they got some up-and-coming pieces as well. Brady Singer is going to actually make his debut today, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then Detroit's the dogs for the division. So, fair enough. All right. Um, I'm leaning more towards Irfan. I actually think Chicago might win the division, and it's just because if you go through their lineup, like there's really not a weak spot until you get to eight, which is very similar to the Twins. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like their lineup for yesterday's game 
which is pretty much their lineup for the season, was Tim Anderson leading off, Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, Edwin Encarnacion, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Nicky Delmonico, and then Lurie Garcia. That's like that's a pretty good lineup for a young team. Like, let's be honest, they're not they're not gonna blow you out of the water from what they have. But last year, uh Garcia, he had an he had a very good year, if I'm correct. Batting two seventy nine with forty RBIs and hundred and forty uh played a uh, hundred and forty games last year. You're getting that kind of production out of a nine hole hitter, that's that's pretty solid. And yeah. their their bull or their starters are very underrated. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them because a couple of them are a little bit older, but like Dallas Keuchel, Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Dylan Cease, and Gio Gonzalez. That's a solid starting lineup. I think they might just sneak into that first spot ahead of the Twins, but it's going to be them 1-2 with the Twins. I think Cleveland is third, and then Kansas City, and then Detroit. Detroit is Detroit's just gonna be bad, 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 bad. Um, let's move on to the East, and we'll start once again in the NL. We got Miami, who is currently leading the division, and that's probably the only time we're gonna say this all year. They're winning the division. Mets, Braves, Phillies, and the currently last place Nationals. Again, probably the only time this year we're going to say that as well. Um, the Nationals are the cream of this division. And then it's the Braves, in my opinion. I think just the way those two teams are set up, they're better than Philadelphia. And I'm not saying Philadelphia is not a good team, but I just think the Braves, the way they've set up and the way they've built the last couple of years, staying young, sticking with what they're doing, has worked out really well. Then you got the Mets, who, if the starting pitching can be lights out, they might have a chance to sneak into a wild card spot. If the starting pitching behind Jacob Degrom is anything but perfect, they're in trouble. That's a lot to ask for the bullpen if they don't show up, sort of thing, as the starters. So I think they're fourth, and Miami, as good as they had a game against Philly in the first game is just not good enough to compete in this division right now. And then they also have to, we also have to take into account they have to play the AL East teams where you're seeing the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, and potentially, depending on how hot they can get, the Blue Jays for a decent amount of your season. That's a lot to ask. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? are probably the third best team to be honest okay um, i just think the overall lineup i think um, it's got so much firepower in there that it's kind of hard to ignore i think the phillies are actually fourth in my opinion um they, they have a star-studded lineup but they can never put anything together no matter what happens fair enough they can't put it together i have atlanta winning the division um i just think their team overall is um better than washington um, with Washington losing Rendon, the, probably the biggest piece out of their lineup, and essentially not replacing him. 
Yeah. Um, it just it just hurts their value. And then Scherzer looked absolutely terrible um, throughout the preseason, all that kind of stuff. And he was like throwing 93. So it's, it's one of those, is he going to start declining? And what goes on with that? Um, so that's just my two cents. Obviously, Miami, I think, is going to be dead last. Although they do have some up-and-coming pieces that 100%. promise them. Um, like Sandy Alcantara yesterday was lights out. Um, and if, if they can put things together like that and start getting some people to, you know, realize their potential and get up there, they, the sky's the limit for them. Um, so I do think it's Atlanta, um, Atlanta, Washington, Mets, Philly, Miami. Okay. I have no problem with that order as well. I don't think you're wrong in any anything that you said. So, Irfan. Um, the Braves will be fine without Josh Donaldson because they've built very well. They've they have uh, they're fine. I think they'll be fine. (laughs) I think they're a very good ball club. I don't know what else to say about them. They're Um, fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) They'll be great. Um, I I, again, I'm gonna agree with Kyle here. I think they win the division just because they're still complete. They still have enough pieces that are yeah i mean scherzer didn't look good at all the last couple of weeks um and they didn't replace any power when they lost rendon in my opinion so there's that um i'm on a toss-up between the mets and the phillies i like what the phillies did with bringing in um joe girardi because i'm a huge joe girardi fan i think he's great um they have a lot of nice pieces i i, I but Again, I don't know what I'm going to expect. This is in 2009 when, you know, that Phillies team dominated uh, this division and they were very good at it. Um, and the Mets, I mean, yeah, you don't have Thor this year, so it might be a little different. But if Stroh can pitch well, if Porcello can find his groove and then having Batances in your bullpen, um, even after his injury, I think the Mets and the Phillies will fight for that third spot. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you guys have said. I would like to point out um, RotoChamp, a website. Their projected NLE standings, projected people, had the Mets and the Nationals tied for first with 33 wins each. The Braves third with 32 wins, so one less. Philly with 29 and the Marlins with 26. Wait, did Philly with 29 and the Marlins with 26? Yeah. Seems an excessive amount of wins for the Marlins. I agree. Considering they have to play the AL East too, seems like a lot. <laughs> um. By the way, you guys say Scherzer? Did you watch the game against the Yankees? Yeah, he got lit up for four runs. Yeah, of course he's going to strike people out. It's Scherzer, but if he gives up four runs, he's not giving his team a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Did you okay. see how far that stand? Yes, went? that was one was bad pitch though in that at bat. He he had him guessing the rest of the at bat. The rest of the at bat was non-existent because he <laughs> gave up a home run. Bye. Just saying. All I'm saying is he had him guessing the rest of the at bat. Yeah. All one pitch uh, of the at bat before it was good. that. It's a good thing it's just game one, right? Or, yeah, it's know. game one too. Like, yeah. give the guy a chance. It is Scherzer. He's gonna he's gonna lead the league in strikeouts again. All right, 
It's time, boys. The AL East, the division we watch the most. This is going to be a fun division. (laughs) Obviously, the Yankees are probably the best team in the division. I I, I think it's, it's not outlandish to say that. Tampa is a very good team, and again, like the Oakland Athletics, they're probably the most underrated team. They're like the two of them together are the most underrated teams in the entire league. Um, that pitching rotation in Tampa is just good. Like, there's not much else to say other than they're good, and the lineup's pretty good. Boston lost a few pieces. Their pitching staff is now depleted without Chris Sale. But they're still Boston, and they're still a good team. You go through that lineup, it's not like they're going to be dead last. That is firmly in the hands of Baltimore. I don't think anyone is going to compete for that last place with Baltimore. Baltimore might be last place in the entire MLB this year. There's a chance. They're going to do it. They lost out last year to Detroit. They're going to go for it this year. And then you have the Jays, who are probably the biggest enigma team in where they're going to finish, just because they're so young, they have some really good talent, and they have some question marks in their starting rotation. That if they go the way that the Jays want them to go, this team could be very good. If the question marks go the other way, this team will finish fourth with no questions asked. And that's the problem. That's why they're the Enigma team. Irfan, we'll start with you on this one, though. Uh, since you mentioned the Jays, I'll start with them. Um, I think they have a legitimate chance at a wild card spot this year. Um, Especially the with the expanded, set, expanded playoffs. Agreed. And, and I think the biggest thing that they have to work on from last year is cutting those strikeouts down. Not chasing balls out of the strike zone. Um, and staying patient because, hey, you saw Kevin Biggio take that swing, right? And he's one of the most patient hitters on that team. So, um, again, you're right. There's question marks placed on the Jays, but there's so much upside coming out of that locker room. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pumped. Like, I, I have so much energy whenever I see them play because it's like, this is exciting. This hasn't happened in a very long time. Finally. Um, with, with young players, right? Like, I mean, the team that, that went to the postseason twice in 2015, 2016, they're a little bit older. So that was great but this is like homegrown this is something that's come out of our entire system so yeah um there's that the a's will stay at the bottom without trey mancini as their best player i mean the the o's the o's sorry um um, but you know trey mancini can't do much but he's still their best player uh like you said the red sox don't really have a a good pitching staff but that power up the up and down that lineup will scare you um their bullpen's still a question for me. I mean, I don't know if you saw the game, but Matt yeah. Barnes left the, or Matt Barnes, I think, left the breaking curveball, and Derek Fisher, of all people, hit it. So, uh, um, the Yankees, for me, title or bust. They're a very good team. They, if they don't win a title, it's another question mark, but my prediction is that the Rays finish ahead of the Yankees in this division. I like their pen. I like their ability to be clutch. I know they're underrated, but... I uh, don't sleep on them because I think they oh, win this God, division. No. Kyle, um, Yankees win the division hands down. Um, I just think with their power in their lineup and the fact that they have pieces on their bench that will probably start on every other team in the division, 
um, just shows that their depth that they have. Um, their rotation obviously was was good last year, but then you add Cole to the top of it this year, and it just becomes elite. Um, I do think Tampa finished second, though. I, I do like their team. I like I like everything they have. Um, obviously, last night wasn't really the best representation of their team because they didn't really show up until the seventh inning, but um, or sixth inning or whatever it was. Um, and I do think that the Jays end up finishing third. I think that their young players do take a step forward um, and actually you know, realize their potential. Uh, I think based on what I saw with Ryu last night, um, I'm impressed. I think he's going to be a great leader for that staff. And then potentially next weekend when Pearson gets activated, he, uh, he'll step into that rotation as well. Um, I think Shoemaker is going to be a great number two. Oh, yeah. uh, although he may not be a number two on every other team. Um, I think he, he's got the pieces um, to carry that ball club as well. So, uh, and then I think Boston is probably fourth for me because uh, just that rotation is such a big question mark. When your number two starting is Martin Perez, um, there's a problem. Uh, and I think that although their lineup is, I would probably say, elite still, um, and they got all these pieces in there, and they scored 11 runs or whatever it was last night. Um, I just don't think they're both they're one their bullpen and two their rotation is going to hold up. And then obviously the uh, cream of the shit is <laughs> Baltimore. What a word, cream of the shit. I love it. They're bad. I, I, th- I think they're one of the better. Oh, I think they're the worst team in the league. No, that's Detroit. I think. No. Yeah. No. I think I, th- I think Baltimore's got some pieces that potentially. But the problem is they lost their best player. Trey Mancini is not playing this year. No, I know, but I'm I'm, I'm saying that I think Austin Hayes is going to have a huge step forward. I think Means is actually a half decent pitcher who's just on a shit team. Um, who's on the DL? Been, yeah, no, I know, but I'm, I'm, he'll be back in a week. Um, I just I think that there's definitely some pieces there that are, are not great, but not as bad as people think. That's fair. Um, I agree with you guys that the Jays are going to surprise people down in the States because they, they give us zero chance. Uh, like this Roto champ that I'm looking at for the lineups has the Jays winning 27 games. And Boston winning 31. I don't really agree with that. I've I've said the Jays were going to beat the Boston Red Sox this year in the season since all the moves were made. I just had a feeling. And the lineup looked good. Like, one through nine, there was only two guys who didn't get a hit yesterday. Or, sorry, there's only one guy who didn't get a hit yesterday. And that was the guy who was hitting the best in spring training and summer camp, Rowdy Tellez. Right? Everyone else got at least one hit. Biggio was the only guy with two, and he had the two most ridiculous hits in the game because he bunt single and the home run. (laughs) 
You don't usually get that from one player. That's that is a combination of speed and power that you're not expecting. But he's he will be, I think, a key to how this team plays this year. If they can get Biggio going, like he did in the minors, that will give Bichette in front of him a very big boost because he's gonna feel like if I get on, he's gonna bring me home, sort of thing. And that'll give Guerrero a huge boost because the three of them played together and Guerrero's hitting right after Biggio. So, hey, if Bichette gets on and Biggio gets on, I got an RBI opportunity. Let's go, boys. Right? It, it's a trickle-down effect. But those three played so close together g- coming through the system, and now they're here and they're all playing together at the top of the lineup. I think if they can get Biggio going and the fact that he took a knee because Alfred wasn't sure if he was comfortable enough to take a knee right shows how big of a leader Biggio is and I think it's an underrated story in the Jays organization in the media is that he he actually is a leader on this team the way he acts the way he handles the other players the, just who he is and I think getting him going if they can if he can that's huge that changes the entire season right there I don't know am I wrong or seems like that type of leader um, probably following in his dad's footsteps to be honest yeah. and, um, the only thing is I, I think that if he, if he proves himself this year I think he's he's set if he doesn't prove himself I think he's a huge valuable trade is my only thing I understand that but here's my thing if he proves himself and they have to move him from second the best part about Biggio is he can literally play everywhere on the field so you could you could slot him in the outfield right and add another great second baseman. You could slot him at first and move Telez and put Guerrero as the DH. Like, there's so many options with Biggio. I think he doesn't move just because of the leadership that he has. But that's a totally yeah, different like, story. Like, to, to me, it's it's a matter of him that average. You can't 100%. have him hit 237. 100%. If, if he's got to be, he's got to be around. If he's going to hit number two. 280 to 300. 260-ish, 275, and I'd be perfectly comfortable with that. If he okay. hits above it, no problem. But I think he has the potential to be a 280, 290 career hitter. Yeah. And if, if, he, if he realizes that, then that, that's huge. But Could um, you imagine that? Having Bichette, who is probably a 300 hitter, Biggio, who's going to possibly be a 280, 290, and then Guerrero, who hits for power and average at the top of your lineup for the next X amount of years. Yeah. God, that's scary. Not to mention the bullpen. Shout out to Canadian Jordan Romano, picked up the win in the game one. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Um, but yeah, that's that's the preview there, boys. Anything else you want to say quickly before we sign out, out of the kick kickoff segment that has now been almost 50 minutes? All right, you heard it here first, folks. Irfan says more than 27 games. All right, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Daniel and Gabe are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. So, 
That was a long MLB preview, which is what we expected. Got a couple more things to get through today, boys. NHL awards have been announced over the last week and a half. They've announced all of the finalists. I want your predictions. Let's get right into it. The first award we are doing is the Norris Trophy going to the best defenseman. Your finalists are John Carlson from the Washington Capitals, Victor Hedman from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Roman Yossi from the Nashville Predators. Irfan, who do you have winning? John Carlson. He's been the best defenseman all year, consistent, leads the defense in points. It's hard to argue. Ka? Damn. <laughs> okay, I have two answers for this. Who do I think is going to win? It's going to be Carlson. Agree with you guys 100%. Mm-hmm. Who I think should win Yossi. is Yossi. Yeah. I think he's the best defensive of the three, and he still has offensive capabilities. So, but whatever. We'll... Yeah, no, no. Carlson will win, but Yossi will win. so good throughout I, his career. I agree. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Selkie, which is the best defensive forward, and this one hurts Irfan every time he has to look at it. Um, your finalists are Patrice Bergeron from the Bruins, Sean Couturier from the Flyers, and Ryan O'Reilly from the Blues. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with your f- pick. Um, I think it's Ryan O'Reilly, to be honest. Um, I just think he's... He's basically the, de- the definition of the award, essentially. <laughs> um, I think Patrice Bergeron is as well. Just throwing it out there. Uh, absolutely. I, and I love <laughs> Patrice Bergeron, even though I'm a Leafs fan. I love Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> but it's uh, it's O'Reilly. And um, to be honest, I have Bergeron finishing third. Because um, I think Couturier is probably second, if that's the case. And Me I think too. he'd be the runner-up. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um yeah. Okay, I'm going to go next, Irfan, okay? So you can cry everybody afterwards. I pick Couturier, and it's close with O'Reilly. Uh, I just think what Couturier did this year was incredible. If you watched some Flyers games, which I got the chance to watch a few, um, he was always the first guy back. It was incredible. Like, when you think of a defensive forward, that what he did this year, lights out, he was the best defensive forward. Um, Irfan? Um, I, I think when I told you this, I was like, oh, this hurts, but it it's honest. It did. Um, I think it's, it's Couturier, um, winning what, almost 60% of his draws this year. His Corsi rating is 57.2%. Um, he is usually the first guy back. He's been the first guy back throughout his career and having Alain who, you know, trusts his veterans and that's the way he, that's his mold as a coach. Um, Couturier, he, he's... He's flying. He's playing really well. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is second, and I think Bergeron finishes third. Um, I thought Bergeron should have won it last year because he was much better, but this year, uh, Sean Couturier, for me, is your Selkie. Yeah, no. Yeah. And at least it's honest. I'm going to get uh, – you guys are probably going to say that I am being a f- fan favorite later in this segment, but I'm being honest. I have stats to back up my thing. So I'm glad you were honest with that one, Irfan. Uh, let's move on. Hopefully you're honest with this one too. Uh, Vesna Trophy. <laughs> Your finalists are Connor Hellebuck from the Winnipeg Jets, Tuka Rash from Irfan's Boston Bruins, and Andre Vasilevsky from the Lightning. Irfan, you get to start this one. Sure. 
Uh, I know Tuka's been lights out, but he has a good 1B behind him, so he doesn't have that much pressure. Um, Thank Connor God. Connor to me, is the winner, and the clear winner, only because he doesn't have anyone in front of him that can play defense. Um, but don't get me wrong, that, that forward group of Blake Wheeler, who is a very good two-way player, uh, Mark Scheifele, they come back, they, they play the 200-foot game, but Connor Hollowbuck, um, for me. Yeah. Kyle? See, I, I have Vasilevsky because I, I think they're going to purely off of wins, which is what they pretty much do all the time with Vesna. They, they look at wins and then they look at goals against average. And um, I, I think it's Vasilevsky in that case. But I do have Hellebuck as a potential winner purely based off he faced the most shots, had the most saves, had the most shutouts, um, which I can see him being a very – um, <laughs> he, I can see him being definitely uh, if, if he wins I wouldn't be surprised No. Um, so there's that um, but my personal right now I think is uh, Vasilevsky just based on wins Wait. and goals against average fair enough um, I'm going to lean with Irfan and say Hellebuck wins and here's the reason why I'm going to read off the defensive pairings for each of the Jets and the Lightning. And you tell me which team you would rather be by. <laughs> For the Jets, your top line, your top pair is Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. Your second pair is Dmitry Kulikov and Neil Pionk. And your third pair is Nathan Beaulieu and Tucker Poolman. For the Lightning, your top pair is Victor Hedman and Jan Ruta. Your second pair is Ryan McDonough and Eric Cernak. And your third pair is Mikhail Sergachev and Kevin Shattenkirk. I would much rather play behind that Lightning team. They also possess the puck a lot better than the Jets, and they don't give up as many shots. Hellebuck faced way more shots than anybody else. He also played a few more games, I think, than Vass, but still. Um, but he was right up there in the stats, and he played against a very less defensive-minded team than vast did so i'm giving it to hellebuck i could see it going to either of those two and as good as tuka rask has been he split time with halak and didn't play enough games in my opinion to be fully considered for this award even though any other year he would be let's move on to the lady bing also as kyle used to call it the nick mcvicker trophy because that's all i ever did was not get pedalies the most sportsman and gentlemanly conduct player in the league. Your finalists are Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and as mentioned, Ryan O'Reilly of the St. Louis Blues. Kyle, give me your final. Give me your winner. As much as I would love Matthews to win it, I think with the, the off-ice stuff, I don't think he really has a chance, to be honest. Um, I do think it's probably McKinnon who wins this. Um, as much as I think uh, O'Reilly's definitely deserving of the award. I think it is McKinnon that's going to win this. Fair enough. Irfan? Uh, agree with not Matthews winning it just because of his off-ice antics. I, I don't even think he should have been a nominee, uh, at least this year, but for sure next year. Um, I'm on a toss-up between McKinnon and O'Reilly, and I think I'm leaning more towards towards O'Reilly. I, I, I like how he's... Um, 
developed into a leader on that St. Louis team. Um, uh, good guy on the ice. Uh, I mean, when you're when you're nominee for the Selkie Trophy, I think you have so much to your game, offensively and defensively, um, as well as great heart. But so Ryan O'Reilly. I'm going McKinnon, and the simple answer to this is that he had 62 more points and only two more penalty minutes than O'Reilly, which means. And the other reason is if you watch a Colorado Avalanche game, which I know we don't do that a whole lot on the East Coast, he is smiling for 60 minutes. Except for when he was arguing with his coach two years ago, he's always smiling. It always looks like he's joking around with the refs and joking around with people at the center, uh, at the face-off dots. He's just happy. And that's I think that's the whole point of the trophy is the guy who just is like, happy to be playing and doesn't want to get off the ice because he only had he had 12 pedally minutes in 69 games that's six pedalies he wants to be on the ice and he's helping his team as much as possible and by adding 93 points on top of that that just shows that you're one of the best players at doing that so that's my opinion um let's move on masterson trophy this should be a very simple answer but i will be interested to hear what you guys say um the Ma- the Bill Masterson goes to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. And your finalists are Stephen Johns from the Dallas Stars, Oscar Lindblom from the Philadelphia Flyers, and Bobby Ryan from Irfan's second team, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. You live there most yeah. of the year. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with this one, and my answer is Bobby Ryan. And the the simple question, like, for me, it comes down to him and Oscar Lindblom. As much as Steven Johns coming back is huge, and it is because the guy was dealing with some pretty tough, like, post-concussion sort of symptom sort of thing. Oscar Lindblom isn't back yet. Bobby Ryan is. Bobby Ryan went through the whole drug abuse system through the NHL, and he went and is now back playing. My opinion is Oscar Lindblom should be nominated for next year when he actually returns to hockey, and he'll win this hands down, probably. Bobby Ryan is back, and that's why I think Bobby Ryan should win it this year, and Lindblom probably wins it next year if they nominate him properly. Um, Irfan, what do you think? I'm going with Oscar for this one, only because he got, like, recently, um, when he got handed his new contract, I felt that, you know, this is a testament of how hard he's worked, uh, what, he's mean to, what he means to that Philadelphia organization, um, to his players, the, the coaching staff, to, to anyone related to that organization. So I, I would go Oscar, but uh, kudos to Bobby Ryan for going through what he went through, because um, I know in Ottawa, for the players, he's a huge part of that team um and to openly talk about how difficult it was for him like man kudos and same thing with steven johns uh great job for him in in terms of his return to play and his ability to come back uh, so yep. i i think you can't go wrong with any of these choices because of how hard these three guys have worked fair enough kyle um i agree i i, I do agree with what you said nick i think Limblom should probably be nominated for next year um, although he went through the stuff this year, he, he hasn't come back and played hockey yet, and that's not taking anything away from what he's gone through. God, no. Or or what he's going to go through in the future, because it's not over yet. Obviously, he's going to have stuff that he's going to put himself through you know, 
basically the next couple of years at least. Um, but I do think it, it, it's got to be Bobby Ryan with everything he went through, how he came back, like game he came back, like what happened and everything like that, and how fitting that was. Um, I, I think that's just it's one of those stories in NHL. It's just it's just so fitting and so right in a way that um, it's it's what's got to be done. I think. I agree. Um, the fact that he came back and was playing almost like Anaheim Ducks Bobby Ryan is incredible. All right, let's move on. Jack Adams, best coach. You got Bruce Cassidy, John Tortorella, and Alain Vigneault. Ka, who do you have winning? I have Vigneault winning, um, which is not the traditional one, I guess, is what you could say. Um, and I think it's because of what he brought and how he carried, how he brought that team who was like fifth last last year or like very, very weak last year, I guess, comparatively, and brought them into being a real contender this year um, in the playoffs um, because Philly now has the chance to be in that play-in series. Uh, or not, sorry, not the play-in series, but the um, round robin, round robin series to, to potentially be the first, first, like number one seed. Yes. Right, and they have, they have a legitimate chance of being the number one seed potentially. Oh yeah. And I, I think that him bringing that team there, I think, just shows the value he has as a coach. And I think he was underrated in, in, at his previous spot. Um. And I, I just, in my opinion, that's why I think you should win. Irfan? Uh, I'm going towards, uh, only and solely because um, you, you lost Panarin, you lost Bobrovsky, and you weren't able to re-sign Matt Duchesne, uh, and that team is still play good hockey. Um, and also, like, Kyle, you're not wrong. I think Vigneault's good, and he's always been a very good regular season coach. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but towards for me. Okay, all three of us have different answers because I'm going with Cassidy. And the reason I'm going with Cassidy is very, very simple, and it's the fact that they got they were good last year. They got better this year defensively. They led the league in goals against. And it wasn't really that close. Obviously, the team in front that he had was good, but he put a system in that everyone bought into, and it made them that much better than they were last year, so that's my reason that Cassidy wins, and they were able to do it over an entire year. Um, that one's going to be a toss-up, though. I hate, I don't like that trophy, because it usually just goes to the coach who has made the team go from the lowest standing the year before to the higher standing this year. Which is wrong. Um, Calder Trophy. Nope, next. Best rookie. We got Quinn Hughes from Vancouver. Kale McCarr from Avalanche, Dominic Kubalik. Irfan, who you got, my man? McCarr. I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. <laughs> it's the rookie of the year. Um, although, although I thought Quinn Hughes uh, made his case last couple of weeks before um, play was halted, but Kale McCarr. Kyle? I have Hughes. Um, I think Makar missed too much time with injury to realistically consider him um, on the same level. 
Uh, as much as he was great when he was playing, I think Hughes played the essentially the entire season uh, until it was cut off. And I think in that aspect, he, he put himself above there, showing him how he can be healthy, how he's really blossoming into a, a superstar defenseman. Um, and that's not to take anything away from McCarr because I think he's a superstar defenseman as well. Yep. I just think for this year, I think it's Hughes. Fair enough. Um, I have McCarr, and it comes down to this very simple point. Well, a couple very simple points, but all kind of related. He played 11 less games, was three points lower than Hughes. He was a there was a 22 plus 22 difference between McCarr, who was plus 12 and Hughes was minus 10 and I know plus minus is one of those weird stats so like you can't live and die off that but a 22 point swing is pretty significant. Um both of them had power play points, both of them had even strength points. McCarr had a 9.9 shooting percentage as a rookie defenseman. That's rather impressive and they both played about the same amount of time when they played in games so i'm giving it to makar just because on average his stats are better and to be fair his injury was not his fault someone caught him very very awkwardly in that game so i, I think it goes it could go to either is that of them nine, is that 9.9 shooting percentage impressive or is that a fluke um i think it well a it's impressive regardless even if it is a fluke it's it's an impressive stat um We'll see. He's very smart with his shots, and so is Quinn Hughes. Uh, but Quinn Hughes' shooting percentage was six point four. Right. So if you if you do it that way, like I think, Makar has a better chance to be a goal scoring defenseman than Hughes, whereas Hughes is going to be a, like a primarily an assist defenseman when it comes to offensive stats. So the shooting percentages you. I, is I guess is something that you really can't compare. I was just more saying that it was an impressive stat for Makar as a rookie defenseman to have a 9.9 shooting percentage. Yep. I think it's something he might be able to keep up because he does take smart shots. Um, right. But it's something that we'll have to watch over the next couple of years. Obviously, it's just rookie year. Sure. And the guy who was supposed to be the, in the running for the Calder at the beginning of the year, anyone? anyone? Yeah, who was it supposed to be? Well, yes, but no. Think like two weeks into the year, who everyone was saying was the runaway rookie of the year. Oh, man, I don't remember. Erfan? No. No. Victor Olafson from oh, yeah. the Sabres. <laughs> yeah, but the Sabres just fell apart. He also got hurt. That's also true. <laughs> I just like laughing at that. All right. Um, I'm going to give you guys the option. Are you... Are your Hart Memorial and Ted Lindsay winners different? Because they're the same nominees, so I'm wondering if we need to split this or just do them at the same time. Do them at the same time. All right. Your finalists for the Ted Lindsay and Hart Trophy, both for MVP, one voted on by the writers, one voted on by the players, are Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, and Artemi Panarin from the New York Rangers. Irfan, start us off, my man. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, only because there was large parts of the season where he led that team, carried them on the back, not just with one backpack, but like 50 backpacks, and just <laughs> made, them, made them better. Um, you know, he, he's a joy to watch, and like, there's no shot here to Dreisaitl or, or God, no. Panarin, because Panarin's on an okay team and just making them look good, and they're fun to watch as well, and Dreisaitl has 
well, I don't know, the best hockey player as his one-two punch. So for me, that's the slight edge that I give to McKinnon, and I think that's why he wins both trophies. Kyle. I had Drysdale. Um, he was by far and away the best player this year, um, which is saying something because he has the best player in the world on his team, <laughs> um, which is interesting because if you think about it, the fact that he basically put McDavid to shame with how he played this year shows how elite he really was this year. Um, so in my opinion, I, I think it's dry saddle. Obviously, you, you look at the points, you look at the goals, but you also look at the fact that he essentially carried that second line um, of Edmonton because Edmonton doesn't have any other than the first line. Um, and the fact that he, he did that, I think, and that's not obviously nothing to, not to do with McKinnon because I know he carried his team as well. But um, I just think Drysaddle was the best player this year. And that is the problem with this award. Kyle, right there, announced it to the world. What is the award? Most valuable player to your team. Unfortunately, it's become, for the last few years, the best player in the league. And the one with the most points. And that's the problem that I have with this award. Now, I've given it to McKinnon. And this is why I thought you guys were going to call me a homer. But let me explain the reasoning why. Dreisaitl, by far, was the best player in the league this year. But he had McDavid as a, as a, one, as a 1B. And basically, McDavid and Dreisaitl were on two different lines. Which means you would have to have two top-pairing defensemen or two top pair defense, defensive pairs to shut them both down, which is hard to do in the NHL. Don't get me wrong. There's not two top pairs on most teams. Very few teams can claim that they have that. My reasoning as to why he was the most valuable was because you lost Landeskog, Rantanen, Makar, Grubauer <laughs> for multiple points throughout the year. And this team finished second in the West. Who thought before this year, other than maybe me, on this panel, that Colorado would be second in the West? I think I said they win the division. Okay, fair enough. Kyle, did you think that they would be that high? Uh, I did. I, it was all a matter of if their goaltending held up, and it did. So. Fair enough. Okay. If I told you at the beginning of the year that Landeskog, Rantanen, Makar, and Grubauer would miss time, would you still think that they'd be second in the division or conference? Well, to, to be honest, if you told me Makar was going to mean as much as he did to this team that he, he did, I would have never believed. So. There you go. But McKinnon did all that with listing players. And again, I like to point out that I just said Dreisaitl was the best player in the league this year. But the award is the most valuable to your team, and I think McKinnon was more valuable to the Avalanche than Macar or than Drysidle was for the Oilers because of the fact that they had McDavid and all they didn't really have to deal with as many injuries as the Avalanche did. Yeah, so count, counterpoint to that then. Yes, go for it. Without Drysidle, does Edmonton make the playoffs? This year, yes, because twelve teams made the playoffs. Possibly not, because the next closest player on his team in points was Makar with 50. 
you're losing 43 points right there. There's a chance that neither of them make the playoffs without those two players. That's just the the point I'm trying to make is the fact that if you take either one of those away from that team, they probably don't make the playoffs. I agree, but here's here's my counterpoint to your counterpoint. Here's my counterpoint to your counterpoint. Are you ready? Edmonton finished fifth. Colorado finished second. It's a lot bigger of a drop for Colorado to miss the playoffs just by losing one player. They were nine points better than Edmonton. So that's why I think McKinnon was more valuable to his team. Not to, not again, I, I'm not arguing the fact that Dreisaitl was the best player in the league. I'm just arguing most valuable because I hate this trophy. Anyways, that's our award ceremony. Congratulations to all the award winners in the Garage Door Sports NHL Awards. Uh, soon we'll do the NBA Awards. That'll be fun. Um, let's move on. We got two quick segments that we're going to fly through because it's been a long episode, and I'm sorry, you're fun. I know you're tired, dude. <laughs> it's fun. Last week we brought this segment to life. We're back with Name Change Segment 2. And this week, we're heading north of the 49, and we're heading to another football team. The Edmonton Eskimos have announced that they are no longer going to be the Edmonton Eskimos. They are the Ed- Edmonton, or is it EE football team or something? <laughs> Until they come up with a name. Not as bad as the Washington football team, because that's what we've been calling them for the last few years anyway. Um but the Eskimos are no more, and they're going to come up with a new team name. So let's hear some of your ideas, guys. And Irfan, I want to start with you because I think you have the most unique one. Yeah, um, it's go ahead. It has nothing to do with the EE slogan because uh, I was I wanted to just try and get away with that, away from that a little bit. So I went Edmonton Royals. Uh, I know the the hiccup they might run into. There's a minor hockey team named the Royals that, um, that might cause some issues, but they can always just, that, that minor league team can be like, hey, we gave the name and get uh, to a CFL team so you can give them credit and some publicity there, but I'm going to Edmonton Royals. Um, uh, that's just, that's that's where it's at. I don't, I don't that's, have it. I just, that's I just what's up. It. I, <laughs> yeah, I just like the ring of it. I mean, there's other really cool names that have popped up and I know you guys um, chose those, but the Royals, because I want to give them some royalty status just because of how hard they've worked working with um you know the chiefs and the the tribes within that community so you know what make them royalty i like that make them royalty that would be that would be a killer slogan for a rebrand like think about that you're, you're bringing out we did yeah. we had to come up with a new name we decided make them royalty <laughs> yep Edmonton, if you're listening to this, feel free to use it. <laughs> uh, Kyle. Of all sales. <laughs> That'd be Sponsor awesome. Can you do that? Sponsor our show. Give us money for the show. Kyle, uh, let's hear yours. Uh, I know you have two. My number one, um, Edmonton Empire. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's fitting. It's, I keep saying this. I, 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 I listen to some of the shows back again, and I keep saying everything's clean is what seems to be my, my slogan in a way. And I just think Edmonton Empire, 
allows you to keep that EE logo, which people have been freaking out about them potentially losing that. And well, it's a, as you said, it's a clean logo. Yeah, <laughs> and it's one of the, it, it's a clean logo. But the Edmonton Empire one, they're saying there's a lot of, of trolls out there oh, yeah. um, that are trying to make fun of this, and the fact that they're saying the Edmonton Empire is no better than the Eskimos because it's all Star Wars and it's aggression and all kind of stuff, and they're trying to make jokes about that. <laughs> and, I haven't seen that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those, it's not really the time for that. Like, there's, there's actually, like, serious issues of this mm. stuff. No, people uh, are just trying to find a problem. And I, I think they're trying to make light of a situation that is, doesn't have any light to it, really. Um, which is probably not the best thing to do. But, no. Um, the other one I have is the Edmonton Elf. Um, and this one's been goes, gaining traction on social media. Yeah, like the Edmonton Empire seems to be the most pop, one of the most popular ones, uh, based on the name, I guess. But um, the elk is one of those ones where it's it's a it's a it's a local animal that it's 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 fitting with um, a sports team that you would you know obviously usually has animals with within within it um like the names um and i think you could definitely play on the current colors so you don't necessarily have to change those colors right um you you'd probably have to change the logo um because i don't think ee would fit if you have it as an elk um, oh you could you could still use that as like the helmet logo and then just have a shoulder logo with an elk sort of thing mm-hmm. if they're if they're that if they're that pissy over the ee logo which i think yeah. they are But no, I agree, one hundred percent. Those are great. Um, I've seen the elk one. There's been some really cool logos for the elk one on social media. If you get a chance, just like look them up. They're awesome. Um, I have one, and then I have a joke one that I've seen on social media because I think it's hilarious. Um, the one that I've been going with, and it actually plays off of the Oakland Athletics old secondary, which they kind of brought back is the Edmonton Elephants. And it has literally nothing to do with Edmonton. But you know the Oakland Athletics uh, elephant that they have standing on the baseball logo? Um, green and gold team. It looks really good. You can do a lot with it, uh, decorating the elephant up in green and gold. And you get to keep the stupid EE logo if that's what you're complaining about. Um, again, I don't think that one will happen, but I think it's, it is a fitting sort of color scheme and the athletics have done a good job with that elephant sort of thing in their secondary logo when they used it which they haven't used it all the time but that was i i don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind and then the one that's that's a joke that i've seen on social media is and this literally makes no sense but it's really funny if you flip the ee logo upside down um it, it looks like a 39 so the Edmonton 39ers, so you keep the logo, you just flip it upside down. <laughs> Again, that's my stupid answer, but <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, Yeah, that's the rebrand right there, boys. All right, one segment left, and then we're out of here. It's a long show, long show. Um, We're back with tire fires, and Kyle gets to do his first tire fire since we brought it back. We're all very excited for him. And for some reason, he put himself on mute, and we don't know why. He doesn't like us anymore. There he is. No, 
That happens. Uh, <laughs> so, last week, we had three great nominations, and Irfan has won his second week in a row, and I clearly suck at this tire fire thing. Um, but your DC Disasters, the Washington Football Club, and all its glory is just brutal. And as such, they have are the reigning champs. This week heading in, we got three more nominations. And Kyle, since you haven't been around, why don't you start us off? I got one. Basically, the is the shit show that is the Toronto Blue Jays and trying to find a home right now. And it looks like they found a home in Buffalo, but the home's not ready. So <laughs> they don't really have a home yet, but they do. But they, they don't. They, they can play baseball they games there. They're just not happy with it. But they were supposed to be in Pittsburgh, but that got denied. But they were supposed to be in Toronto, but that got denied. And it's just... You forgot Baltimore. Baltimore apparently approved it, but the city of Maryland never actually went through with it, so it never actually happened. It's just the whole back and forth, and the fact that this is happening as basically opening day is upon <laughs> us is just the, the utter, just, as I said, shit show. The fact that, like, you should have had some sort of contingency plan in place in case the, you know, the Canadian government doesn't want hundreds of people coming across the border without quarantining and just playing and leaving in three days. Yep. Like you had to, you had to understand that that was a possibility. So like, to me, you should have at least one, if you knew that have Buffalo ready, expand clubhouses, put lights in, put whatever you need to do in order to get it ready or be in contact with the team ahead of time. Say, Hey, if we don't have this and we use your field or the other, to be honest, the smarter thing would have been is just if you're going to play a team, go to their home field, and you're just the home team. Well, that was the, that was the last end all be all option if they had to, and, and they said that. To me, to me, that should have been that should have been the option in general. I have no problem because, with them playing in Buffalo. Well, the, the, the players don't like it though. I know. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't. I don't give a shit what management wants. Management can do whatever the hell they want. It's the players that if they don't want a players don't want to play there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Be a good thing for the team. Yeah, we're gonna call it the uh, instead of the flightless birds, they're the homeless birds. There you go. That's clever. <laughs> All right, Irfan, double champion. Let's hear it. Um, well, that was a good one, Kyle. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to call it maskless. Um, I know we've been talking about this for like the last couple months where, you know, when you're in COVID-19, there's precautions and measures that need to be taken when you're on the bench, um, when you're talking to people in close proximity. And I noticed with La Liga, Serie A, EPL, the Bundesliga, um, that there was people in close contact not wearing the mask, not covering their their noses with the mask that defeats the purpose of the whole thing. They were <laughs> it's kind of the point of the mask. At times, yeah, they were spitting at times. They were um, randomly embracing, like you know, like coaches do their fist pump and then you move on. No, man, they do a fist bump, they give a hug, have a conversation. Um, a lot of you know not following the rules. So 
I think for me it's maskless because it was it was a little rough to watch, especially when they're like preaching it themselves, um, saying that we're we're following measures as best as we can and then not actually doing them. Um, what happens when fans are in the, the stadiums and when they're allowed? Are you going to let them get away with that? Mm. Probably not. So um, let's let's uh, yeah let's let's follow rules. Can we add the MLB to that? Sure. Uh, I, through two add days. Every single league into it. Just add everyone who hasn't followed yeah. the rules. I mean, did you guys see the, the final yesterday, the PSG final, where no. they had people sitting next to each other, but only spread out by one or two seats at one point? So, um, joke. that doesn't work, guys. Just, yes. just stay home. What a joke. Uh, that was sarcasm that I never get, but I got this time. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Clap, everyone, clap for her fun. He got sarcasm. Uh, Massless is good. Um, I now have to come up with one because I was gonna go Blue Jays as well. That's fine. Um, but mine is going to be. Uh, how do I put this? I'm just going with the entire. North American sporting world on this one. And the reason is, just just hear me out on this before you question it. I'm going to go raceless North America. That sounds really bad, but um, F1 had to pull their three North American races this week, which were supposed to be scheduled for late September, because the COVID numbers have not panned out the way that they were supposed to. Um, And... It was a big decision, and it was rounds, I think, 11 through 13 that were supposed to be in North America for the F1. They just can't have it, and that's that's a problem. Um, and the fact that we're bringing all these sports back and no one really knows how it's going to happen, it, it's it's debatable. And I know we said we talked about this last week, Irfan and Kyle. Uh, you weren't here, but we talked about how the bubble situation is better than uh, what the MLB is doing with traveling. Um, it's still debatable whether the bubbles will work. MLS seems to have figured it out, and that's great. NBA is trying to figure it out because they're still in the pre-season sort of thing of their return to play. But my question is, they have a bunch of players who keep leaving the bubble and then coming back. How is that going to affect the bubble? Um, also, people are getting called out for leaving the bubble. I don't know if you saw that, well, Lou Lou Williams. There's also people that are apparently inviting people, like girls into the bubble. That's a whole other issue. They're, they're bringing them into the bubble, not going out of the bubble to find. But Lou Williams apparently <laughs> left for... Yeah, but Lou Williams apparently left for a... Especially, uh, especially some of the girls that might be inviting, you don't know where they've been. No comment. <laughs> but it is a problem, and for North American sports, they need to make sure that they're figuring it out, and it comes down... I'm not trying to make this political, but it does come down to the leaders of the two of the countries trying to limit the number of COVID cases so that we can have professional sports here, like... Racing literally doesn't have fans in the stands in any of these other countries in F1. And they still don't think it's safe to come have races here in North America. That is a problem. That is not good. That makes us look really, really bad. 
So I'm going to come up with a better name than Raceless North America, but yeah. I was going to say I don't it, it, know. It, I, I realized as I was saying it, I'm like, this isn't right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to call it North American Sports Fiasco. Yeah, the fiasco. Fiasco. North American NA Sports Fiasco. Um, but that'll do it for our tire fires. Make sure you vote on Twitter. Um, might be hard to do an Instagram poll for four, but I'll, we'll figure it out. Um, that's it. That's all the segments we have for today, boys. It's been a long episode. We're coming up on an hour 30, but there was a lot that we wanted to get through today. I'm glad we did. We missed Kyle the last couple of weeks and we're going to miss him again next week. Maybe. Uh, I'm going to try and call in in the morning. But... Potentially miss him again next week. And Irfan, you're not here next week, but we have a no, guest. We have a guest coming in. So yeah. it's fine. Um, Kyle, what are your final thoughts uh, for this week? Um, even though it may not be the right time, uh, I'm happy that at least baseball's back for now. And then obviously, hockey's going to be back next week. It's going to be better basketball. Um, is, although there may be some issues with it, uh, I'm still glad it's back because that's. A big part of my life that was missing, um, especially being this whole quarantine thing and not not having that around, kind of was, uh, I guess, in a way, making me lose my mind a little bit more. But a little, um, I'm I'm glad it's uh, I'm glad it's back. Although it may not be the exact, it's back. I like it. Irfan. Uh, I went blank. Um, baseball's back. Like, it's been fun. Uh, stay in the bubble and wear a mask for God's sake. And wear a mask properly. <laughs> wear a mask properly. That's that's what we but, should be saying. We've been saying wear a mask. We haven't been saying it right, guys. Clearly, we need to say wear it properly. Just at me on Twitter. I'll send you a link that shows you how to put on a goddamn mask properly. Okay. He'll send you a video of himself putting it on. Fun is gonna do a tutorial. <laughs> He's gonna do the airline type esque yeah. tutorial video. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, this is coming out now. Now we've said it. Or funny, you got to do it. Yeah. Confirm. Uh, <laughs> can confirm. Can confirm. All right, my final I thought. Just, I have two different oh. kinds of masks too, so you'll see Perfect. variations. Okay. Oh, it's gonna be a long video. I like it. Good for you. Um, I my final thought of this week is shout out. To Laurent Duvernay Tardif, lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, who has opted out for the NFL season, not because he's scared of COVID, because he is acting as a doctor in a long-term care facility in Quebec. Just there, there's nothing else to say. Congratulations, you win being one of the greatest people. <laughs> you win the humanity award. Like, are you kidding me? That guy is a full-fledged doctor, and he's working in a long-term care facility during the COVID pandemic and said, screw football, this is more important. Just clap, like. (laughs) The thing is, the the reports are saying that he pulled out, but they don't say that he's a doctor, so. uh, Oh, every report uh, that I've seen, because most of the reports have been Canadian, mention that he's working in a long-term care facility. I think some of the ones down in the States might skip out on that, on the initial report, but it gets down uh, deeper. I saw Arash Madani quote retweet somebody. I'll I'll find the tweet I'll send to you guys, but he was like, hey, don't forget that he's a doctor. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that too. That's the reason. 
season, it's not because he doesn't want to play for safety concerns. No. Yeah. But then I heard a story that multiple he wants, players. He doesn't want to play for safety concerns, but it's because he's protecting other people's safety. Is the reason why. Yeah. He's an essential worker, yeah. Like, that's it's incredible. I, I he is one of my favorite players, and he was when he was playing at Laval. Because he's just an absolute monster, and the fact that you get to see stuff like that coming from a player as good as he is, just hands down deserves the humanitarian award for the NFL this year, and he's not even going to play a game. Like that's ridiculous. Um, that'll do it for. This episode of the podcast, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Garage Door Sport. Follow us on Instagram at Garage Door Sports. You can follow each of us at Nick McVicker for myself, at Kyle Vardy for Kyle, at Irfan Manji for Irfan. Very simple, very elegant. Gotta love it. And make sure you check the website. We are going to have an NHL Power Rankings article later this week. We are also looking at doing Power Rankings for some of the other sports, but we're not there yet. And we'll get you more information as it comes. So thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.